Welcome to the Dead Format, episode 128. My name is Ian McEwen, and I'm joined tonight by the ever busier, the, the busiest guy. We go into quarantine, and he just gets busier, Tom Smiley. And I was on vacation this week, too. That's the crazy thing. Oh. Well, the busy, the busyness this week was not uh, was not planned for, for sure. Wow. Yep. Damn. Well, yeah, man. And we're here to talk about Legacy. We we actually have legacy shit to talk about for for the first time long time, right? Huge new format changes. I'm super excited. Yeah, it, there's uh it, it kind of feels like I mean, this is how our podcast started, right? Death right and probe got banned. So, this is like our wheelhouse, right? This is uh This is all teed up for us. This is this is where I think <laughs> we is. shine. This is more of a shakeup than the other bannings for sure. And this is a time when like everyone is talking out of their ass, right? Because nobody knows what the new format's going to be like. So, I mean, I'm sure that there's some people that have like really great ideas from decks that are already like putting up good results online. But I just want to play Stoneforge Mystic again. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, that's where I'm at. I mean, everybody, what's that saying? Everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face or whatever. It's like uh, yeah, Muhammad yeah, Ali, maybe. <laughs> I don't know, Mike Tyson, but yeah, I, I think uh, I think our our points are going to be you know on par with with others. And dude, this was a crazy week though. Like, uh, what's the temperature like in Boston? Uh, it's like thirty, maybe it's twenty right now because it's a little bit later at night. Um, but the temperature wasn't bad. We got a little bit of snow this this week, not too much, um, but not like not like our friends in Texas. I had. So many people who I play video games with, like, in a really, really bad spot. Um, because I, I play mostly with West Coast people, and there are lots of people in Texas that play too. And uh, they were without power, no heat. I know everybody saw all the news stories, but it was crazy hearing it firsthand. Yeah, dude, it is crazy. I work with some people in Texas now, and it was not a pretty sight. Actually, we uh, we got a ton of snow this week. Like, we got... It almost didn't end. Like we had a major storm like Sunday into Monday and then also mm-hmm. Thursday into Friday and it was like flurries in between. So it's it's like been steadily snowing for like five days. It's pretty wild. But uh I blew all the outlets, all the electrical outlets in my office where I'm recording right now. No, you didn't plug like a space heater into a power strip. Did oh you? yeah. Oh yeah. Oh I was on a work call, so I didn't even notice. Like, every day when I come up to my office, because it's on the third floor, Mm -hmm. I turn on my space heater for, like, the first half hour, and then I don't run it the rest of the day. Yep. But I had a work call, like a 9 a.m. call that started, like, at 8.45. Someone called me early, so I forgot Mm -hmm. that it was still plugged in. I turned on – I had three laptops, two monitors, and a lamp and a space heater going out of this power strip. And all of a sudden, it sounded like a bug zapper, bro. Mm-hmm. And I smelled Did smoke. It melt and smelled. Yep. Yeah, and <laughs> uh, it's bad. So I'm I'm running off like a 50 foot extension wire. I haven't made it to Home Depot yet, but Pat gave me all the tips on how to wire this shit. So I'm going to be replacing my receptacles. He was calling maybe, them. Maybe maybe you want to call a professional. I don't know. Nah, dude. There's I, the I fun blew. in that. I blew I blew four outlets during the Super Bowl because I hadn't used my panini press in a really long time. The Super Bowl this year? Yeah, the Super Bowl yeah, oh, just a few weeks ago. Damn. Uh, I plugged in my panini maker and went to go press some sandwiches and apparently some the wiring was wrong in the panini maker. So as soon as I closed it, it blew out an outlet 
And then my dumb ass was like, oh, maybe it was the outlet. And then I went and tried a few more outlets and I blew them all up too. Oh no. So wait, yeah. it's a panini maker. So was it like Italian or something? Was it not? Uh, so I can't remember the name brand. I think the name brand was American, but it's like one of those like gigantic George Foreman grills, if you can imagine it. Okay. But like, it's got more power to it and you like, you crank it down and it, and it zaps the sandwiches. But uh, yeah, I blew, I blew out some power things with that. Interesting. I was thinking maybe it wasn't the right size for like the U.S. you know electrical. Oh plug. no no no! It was it was U.S. plug. I wasn't screwing with that at all. Gotcha. Yep. Have you uh have you uh, obviously you've been extremely busy recently? But have you looked at the price of Magic cards lately? I saw okay. Uh, I saw the price of Telerian Academies because I I know that I have multiples of those, and Gaia's Cradles and Dual Lands and all sorts of crazy shit. Um. What what specifically did you see that you had in mind? So, like, people have been sending me, like, you sent me a couple cards, you know, over the past few months, and it, it would just look like a spike. Like, someone bought a card out, and it would be, like, a stupid price. Like, you know, uh, you know, $1,000 on some fucking $50 card. You know what I mean? Where it's, yeah, it's yeah. just like, yeah, ignore it. It's MTG stocks or whatever. Just fucking, you haven't figured out, just ignore it. But yeah. but the the ones recently, like you sent me Talarian Academy, th- these look like a lot more legitimate than that, you know? Yeah, Yogg-Mosswell is like, like insane now too. Yeah, so I was poking around a little bit the past two days. And one of the things I was looking at were dual lands. And dual lands hadn't really risen because we've always sort of used that as the index, right? So I would right. hear crazy shit about like the price of Wheel of Fortune or like the, a few other cards but duels weren't going up so i wasn't really worried but looking at it today bro there are no hp revised underground c's for under 620 on tcg like hp uh same th- yeah city same city of traders city of traders is like 500 i i don't even think it was that high when like eldrazi was first a thing and people were were buying them up in legacy um yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. And I think a lot of that has to do with vendors not being able to buy at events. Right. Now, obviously, like, there are people that are, like, that are that are thinking, wow, these cards are really undervalued. Let me get them. And crazy shit from, like, Homelands and the Dark and, and Fallen Empires. And, like, like un, un-tournament playable stuff from Revised is spiking. Like, Demonic Hordes is $25. And, like, I love that card. <laughs> I played with it when I was a little kid, but, like... That's not a card you're playing with in a tournament or even in Commander. Yeah, that's crazy. So there's there's definitely, uh, we and we talked about this vendor problem. That's definitely part of it. I think, though, because, like, sealed, sealed products, sealed boxes of Magic don't really move to vendors the way that singles do. And mm-hmm. there's similar spikes, like absurd spikes. Like a Homelands box is over $1,000 now. Yeah, somebody somebody spent like three grand on a box of the dark, and I was like, "Why would you ever do that?" The only thing that worth word that's worth money is like Blood Moon, and that even got reprinted. Yeah, there's and then I went back Maze and looked at all and, the prices, yeah. and it's crazy. Yeah, Preacher and Maze of Earth and stuff, but mm-hmm. Homelands is nothing. I mean, like you know, maybe a twenty dollar card or something, but didgeridoo. We're just waiting. Yeah, exactly. But you know, the the price. I think it's got a lot to do with Bitcoin, right? Like the both both times we've seen bitcoin run up and there are like economic realities underpinning the rise of bitcoin like it's sort of like a vix we've talked about before Mm -hmm. but i think that there is also a correlation so 
as magic cards become more attractive, the dollar becomes less attractive. Bitcoin becomes more attractive, so they're they're trending together. But I think there's a big overlap too between Bitcoin enthusiasts and magic players. Obviously, well, I think having having money tied up in magic cards is like uh, less impactful on your taxes, and you can like it's like more freely movable cash. Yeah, if you if you think about it like that. Well, last time because of not ABU Games, I can't think of the name of the vendor, but there was a certain vendor in Kentucky that was uh, letting you buy cards in Bitcoin that you could then sell to vendors in cash because there were still Grand Prix. So you could actually cash out Bitcoin winnings totally off the books uh, that way, but like back in you know 2017 or whenever that was when Bitcoin first jumped. I guess it was t- the end of 2018. But uh, I don't know if that's still going on. Before we get into the bans, which is obviously going to be the vast majority of this podcast, I just wanted to mention really quick, did you see the Strixhaven command cycle was spoiled? Yeah, I didn't see all of them. I only saw the Golgari one and the uh, Is It one. I didn't see all five. Okay, that's all you need um, to see because the others are, okay. f- are four and five mana. Oh, okay. So the, the Golgari one looked looked really flexible. I'm not sure about the Is It one. Um, obviously, it's flexible, but it wasn't as good as the red black or the green black one. Yeah, the Golgari one is interesting because it's. It's at the same mana cost as Abrupt Decay and Assassin's Trophy, right? So you're you're yep. obviously paying a huge premium. And there's um, there's a, a minus three, minus one. There's a mill three cards and return a land from your graveyard. Mill someone three and return a land mm-hmm. from your graveyard was an interesting mode. There was destroy a non-land, non-creature with converted mana cost two or less. So... You, you can think like a, a deck, like especially the deck I was thinking of was Loam. Like I think Loam definitely is going to fuck with that card. Like, you know, just to see how it is. Like, tr- you know, try it out. It just seems so perfect for them. Yeah. But, I just sent you the Facebook link for the TCG player of Tabernacle. Okay. I'll check it out. But the, the Is It one, I don't know, man. For Blue Red Delver, like they, they never really had anything like Colagon's Command, right? They did not. But I mean, is that really like like K Command? I know it can like destroy an artifact and deal two damage to a creature, right? But and like loot, but I don't see that as a K Command. I don't know. I think it's far far below the power level of K Command. I don't see it as a main deck card the way that K Command is such a amazing main deck card because you can always shock and raise dead. Like mm-hmm. you know, if you build your deck like a Delver deck or a mid range deck, you're gonna have creatures and they're gonna have targets even if it's just their face discard and raise dead it's not yep. that versatile but it still does do the shatter shock thing that yeah it's kind of like an abraid i guess yeah like it would be an amazing card to have in your deck against like loam we were just talking about loam but you know kill a bob and get rid of a chalice or whatever like mm-hmm. that's that's a, a perfect card for that matchup so it might even be like a sideboard card for when they're trying to get a little bigger you know I, I liked the spoilers that I saw out of um, Kaldheim. Sorry, not Kaldheim. Um, Strixhaven, with the Jap- like the uh, the Asian based alternate art. You see the sorts of Pasha. Yeah, that's what that there. was. That was like the because uh, they were so disjointed. Like the cards didn't didn't really look like each other. I wasn't sure if they were all from the same set, like the demonic tutor and the swords and stuff. Yeah, I think they're all from Strixhaven. I think that's just how it works. They like they had individual art styles, but all based off of that like sort of I don't know j- 
it's not even one art style, it's just Japanese-based. Yeah. Um, but the Swords to Plowshares looks amazing. And I'm not sure what the blue cantrip is, whether it's like a preordain or ponder or brainstorm. Uh, opt, opt, opt. Opt? Yeah. Oh, okay, that's less cool. Yeah, I did see that. Okay. Yeah. And then I like the Swords to Plowshares. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that was, uh, that was interesting that they spoiled those cards, but I did think that both of those deserved mention, so. Oh, Okay, did I tell you the did I tell you that I had I got tested for COVID? Mm, like recently? Yeah. Okay, so earlier in the week, the start of my vacation, um Alyssa's mom uh got really sick last week. Um and got COVID tested but it came back negative and then Alyssa and I got sick a few days after. So we called our doctors, doctor recommended COVID tests, put us on a bunch of like uh preventative medication. And uh, it came back negative, but then that thing that thing happened with Alyssa's mom that I talked to you about yeah. earlier. So, wow. Anyway, yeah, I, I I had to I had to say that that was that was earlier. This so week. was that your first COVID test? Yeah. Oh, yeah, interesting. I'd been like not sick and staying at home, so I felt like I didn't need to get one. Yeah, I figured when so, you had those like uh, teacher teacher in classroom days. Remember, towards the beginning of the year, maybe you had one then. Oh, no. So basically, I, I like I messed up. I was only there for like four hours and it only happened for two days. So I was out. Yeah, I was out after that. I've had yeah. to get three in the last 10 days. Uh, it actually wasn't that bad. Like, no, it's not bad. Uh, it was a PCR test and I did the swab myself. Um, so it didn't have to go all the way back. It was actually like really easy. Yeah, I got the back the results back in like a day. The when they put the uh, when they were doing the swab on me, it actually it went up and it just came out the other nostril and the guy was like what the fuck oh the erosion yeah yeah that's yep they don't they don't know it was crazy but no <laughs> the uh the spit test is actually pretty fun i've been doing those recently but okay yeah just traveling around but the uh the news that i think everybody's waiting for everybody i'm sure that's listening to this knows what happened already but I just wanted to take a second to review. We started this cast, obviously, in the summer of 2018. It's been two and a half years, and we've seen now nine cards banned. So this this is a pretty normal occasion for us. Obviously, Deathrite and Probe, Ren 6, Underworld Breach, Zerda, Luris, now Dreadhorde Arcanist, Oko, and Astrolabe. And they also fixed the Cascade mask mechanic. Yes, they did. That was really kind of cool, actually. Yeah, bro. So they hit, in this ban, they hit every fucking Eternal format. They hit whatever Historic is, Pioneer, <laughs> Modern, Legacy, and Vintage. So what, on like February 15th, like, you know, out of nowhere, basically. So Not really out of nowhere. They announced, or oh, you're about to talk about the announcement. Well, no, I was going to say, like, what does that mean? What does that say to you? That they hit everything basically out of nowhere? That they hit... They did they, 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 announced, they announced a secret lair, and they're like, all right, we don't want any garbage. We should inform people that we're really talking about banning um, banning these cards. Right, it wasn't, Maybe they, it wasn't like, you know, out of the blue that they made the announcement, but I'm just saying, like, yep. it's not like there's a Grand Prix coming up, or there's some fucking Eternal Weekend oh, or something. I'm sure that they were looking at, like, some player metrics that were down or something exactly. like that. Exactly. Yeah, th- that's, my, that's my analysis of it. Like, people complaining online about Legacy, them seeing, like, 
tournaments are down and trying to fix it and all that. Yeah, and I don't even think Legacy so much. I mean, I think that they were aware of Legacy. This is something we've been talking about the past few weeks is like, what's the impetus for them to ban these cars? Because we all, I think the two of us both felt at least Oko was certainly going to be banned. It was just when, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think the impetus was actually probably modern because it's it seems to be such a shit show and everyone I've talked to about it just was was very unhappy with the way it's been trending they well, I think to... I think it was probably more historic because historic gets played on arena where modern doesn't right yeah I don't know historic I'm, I'm kind of putting in a different basket I didn't actually read that one but okay yeah I'm sure you're right about that with arena I, I just don't have any insight into how many people are or aren't playing on arena but uh, you know, Modern certainly looks slow on Moto. And they really shook up Modern, bro. They hit, like, Simeon Spirit Guy. That's, like, a foundational change to the format. Mm-hmm. And Uro, and th- what else did they hit in Modern? Tibalt's Trickery. Now, do you think they needed to hit um, Simeon Spirit Guy? Actually, I guess they had two for Oops. I was about to say, with the Tibalt change, do you really think they had to do that? But they probably did. I think they did, yeah. I think that that's yeah. long overdue. But I don't know. That's just my philosophy of modern. And I haven't really played modern since Forza Negation came out, so I can't really say, but that's my mm-hmm. opinion. Uh, that is always been like the, the thought sees format in my mind versus the Force of Will format. So if you can do something too powerful on turn one, I don't think it belongs in the format. Yep, that, that makes sense. So yeah, uh, I just wanted to mention really quickly that they unbanned Luris and Vintage, which is awesome in my opinion, because that's what I want to see in Legacy. The the unbanning of Luris with the with the stipulation the errata that they put on it? Yeah, so the, the erratas uh how did it work? But I'm trying to remember like if they banned it and made the errata at the same time or not. But basically there's never been a time when Luris was legal and the errata was in place, so I just wonder what it would do to Legacy. Like, I, I think having that card in my main deck would just be a, a fun thing. And maybe that's just my, you know, uh, desire to play dead guy talking, but... Mm-hmm. It probably is. Yeah, so I think it opens the door, though, which is cool. I didn't really like Zerta, but I do like Laris. It's a fun card. So, Dreadhorde Arcanist, Oko, and Astrolabe. We've got the challenge this past week. We're not going to talk about it, obviously, but 20 out of the 32 decks from the challenge are illegal. They had at least one of these three <laughs> cards in them. So that gives you some idea of how much the format's shaken up. So really quick, I wanted to talk about Astrolabe because this is a band that I've been fully supportive of. I think you've you've been in the same camp, right? For what? Astrolabe band. Yeah, oh yeah. I think we were both on that. We were both on... Oko, Astrolabe for a while, and then I think we had said that we could see Arcanist going, but would want to change like a little bit at a time, yes. and just hit Astrolabe, Oko. Yeah, that's exactly wh- what I was thinking, and I was even more sold on Astrolabe than Oko. Like, I just, I really don't like the effect that Astrolabe has. Unfortunately, it did make the decks cheaper, which kind of sucks, you know, that the, the pressure is back on dual lands, but... Other than that, I think it's all positive. I think mm-hmm. so many of the problems, so many of the unappetizing feelings I've had with regard to Legacy are due to the homogenization of the mid-range decks, right? Because of Astrolabe. Yeah. 
But I now I th- now I think they're just going to homogenize under like some bug shell and playing like abrupt decay and maybe some of these new commands and all that. And it's going to be like the blue stew will be similar, but there'll be more uh, there'll be more diversity in the other decks. Well, so I, I agree that there will be like you know the bug or Grixis mid range deck that that will be like the you know check pile uh, like uh, you know whatever that what's the word I'm looking for. Like the like, the modern like, day version of that, yeah, yeah. But there'll also be a miracles deck that'll be distinct and separate from that, right? Yes. So that's two decks right there. Like that's that was only one deck before, and now it's two. And mm-hmm. then there's potential for a third to arise. So it's it's you know it's it's fixing things. I think. Okay. Yeah, I, I definitely think it's better. Yep. And with regard to you know Rug Delver and Snoko were. 1A and 1B for how long was it, bro? It, was, it has to be at least a year at this point, right? Yes, at least a year, probably longer. Probably it was right after it was right after like the underworld underworld um, breach bans. I right? want to say that's 13 months ago. Okay, yeah, so it's it's around that time. Like the good stuff rug deck came out right after those bannings, or maybe it was even around before. Right. Um. But that's when that's when I remember the deck really like solidifying as being the sort of number one. Yeah, for sure. And like you know the the numbers change like it crept up in Oko's and that sort of thing. People tried mm-hmm. out Uro. Like it wasn't exactly the same deck and same thing with Snoko, but w- I, people were pretty much aware that those were the best decks for you know at least a year at this point. So mm-hmm. I think this is much needed. So Astrolabe, see you later not gonna miss it level two though so delver decks right mm-hmm. bug delver especially you know blue red was still playable rug was still playable but we didn't see bug delver we didn't see uh grixis delver and we didn't see blue white delver at all because there was no reason to play those those decks right yeah i agree so what do you think this means for delver now well i think blue red is still like really really good um because it still does everything they did before i guess the format is less about um dreadhorde arcanist now so having all of the bolts might not be as big of a benefit as it was before right but like the deck didn't get touched i know some of them were splashing greed for uro and, and things like that um sorry for oko and things like that um but i think red blue is probably a place to start grixis seems really good yeah a um, lot of people have been talking about grixis I mean, like, it was just, you you never wanted to play that color combination when you could play um, oh, blue-green-red, yeah, right. or blue-green-whatever, um, and, uh, it, like, it, it obviously has powerful spells. Um, Bug gets really good, too, and, I mean, I want to play Stoneforge Mystic, so maybe, maybe like, the white-blue deck is good. You really need to, that that's never, like, something you want to go in week, with week one. You want to see what everybody else is playing and see whether or not it fits. Yeah, for sure. Um... But uh, but it's going to be interesting to see how Stoneforge comes back, whether or not it does it all, whether or not it's like uh, Boomerland now, and uh, it's just never going to come back. But we'll we'll see. What do you think about Magmatic Channeler for for Blue Red? Because it was kind of held down, right? We, we we didn't think that much of the card, but with Dreadhorde Arcanist in the equation, it was kind of a moot point because it, mm-hmm. it wasn't winning the spot anyway. Right, I mean, it, I guess it fills a similar role. Um, 
I'm not exactly sure. Because I haven't played with that card before. I know how powerful Dreadhorde Arcanist is. Right. Um, I never really played with Chandler. The, so. so the one thing about Chandler, I, I still don't like it very much, but the one thing about it is, you know, Plague Engineer. Obviously, yep. the, the, all the cards you want to play typically in blue-red are weak to Plague Engineer, but Chandler gives you, uh, similar to Arcanist, you know, a three-bot, although Arcanist gets shut down by Engineer. Chandler can still do stuff, you know? Yep. I um I really wanted to talk about true name nemesis today, but like with the uptick in Plague Engineer, it's just so it's still it's not it's not ready. Yeah, so that's the thing, right? Plague Engineer. A, a lot of people went to immediately went to Young Pyromancer, went to True Name Nemesis as yeah, and even Dark Confidant as cards that were like you know on, on the uh, back on the menu now that uh, Dreadhorde Arcanus was gone, especially Bob because it's like. Uh, direct replacement in terms of you know two drop card advantage engine thing Mm -hmm. but everyone's been talking about plague engineers and how many plague engineers they're seeing in leagues right now i think a lot of that has to do with how many people are going to grixis but a lot of that has to do with the decks that didn't get hit too like i mean elves death and taxes those are decks that in theory like level zero i'm not saying this is this is true once you know people actually build their decks but those are the decks that get better, like addition by subtraction, right? Yep. So maybe that's why people are picking up Plague Engineer. Maybe it's just because more people are playing black. But do you think that Plague Engineer is going to be like around to stay? Or do you think it's sort of like it was a year ago where it was a new toy and it's going to drop off? Uh, I think it's a super powerful card, but it depends on what the meta looks like. Yeah. Uh, it's always going to be going through like sort of a cycle where if it's around then people will make deck choices that won't have one toughness creatures or have less of them. And then because people make that decision to play less one toughness creatures, it will make the black decks want to play less plague engineers. Then people will switch to playing more one toughness creatures again. And it's some sort of cyclic pattern that just keeps on repeating. Yeah. And we're just in like a, like a, um, a mood now where we're not playing young pyromancer and people are playing, um, that card. Yep. Uh, another card that I am excited to fuck around with is Ethereal Forager because, you know, I was excited about the card when it first came out. I mm-hmm. thought it would see more burn than it did. Our friend James Shu was trying it <laughs> from time to time, which I appreciated, you know, a little few lulls here and there. But in blue-white specifically and blue-red, I've always thought that there might be a home for this card because you don't have Mandrills or Angler that Mm -hmm. is just the better card taking up that spot so that's something i'm really looking forward to man is trying that card in like a blue white shell and i feel like that's finally something you can do right now because Uh, okay playing playing blue white was just so pointless for so long because even if you said okay i am going to play blue white like you made a decision to play an inferior deck you still could just reach into green for oko or reach into red for dreadhorn arcanist so easily and still have that power level you had to do it so even when I was trying to build blue-white or uh, blue-white decks over the past year, they always ended up being Bant or, or blue-white-red. Mm-hmm. So I think that there's actually justifiable to play blue-white Delver. But like you said, a lot of this hinges on how good Plow and Decay are going to be, which hinges on you know how big Chalice is going to be. Yep. It's all, everything's a moving piece right now, right? Oh, I completely agree with that. So yeah, it's uh, 
th- those are, I think, the, the big questions. How good is Plow? How good is Decay? One deck that loses absolutely nothing is Death Shadow, and that actually won the challenge this past weekend. Yeah, my friend Mike was playing, like, he was playing, like, the modern version of it, um, but he's super high on Death Shadow again. That's, like, that's his thing. Um, in Legacy 2? So, well, yeah, he plays it. He plays yeah. it in both. Actually, um, when we played in the team tournaments, I was talking about Magic with a few of the people who we, I, I play video games with, and uh, and there was a team Grand Prix in Toronto that was uh, me, Mike, and my buddy JT, and we beat Paulo, Ben Stark, and Eric Froelich, and he was playing four-color, um, like the four-color control deck in Legacy then. I... Uh, I ended up playing modern in that tournament. That was probably a mistake. <laughs> oh yeah. So he's he, he did I remember now. He's definitely played Legacy Death Shadow though and and Pile. I played him against him on Pile. Yep. But um Stoneforge, obviously we talked about a little bit. It's level zero, you know, better with no Oko because, you know, your batter skulls would just get out before. So that's exciting to potentially try out again, but I think the reality of the format you know, these are all decks that didn't get touched. Belcher, Hogak, Doomsday, Depths, Omni, right? Like the normal builds of those decks. And by mm-hmm. Omni, I mean like Wait, the, the blue green. Belcher? What's up? Belcher? Is that like... Uh, I'm sorry, I said... I, I meant... Uh, oops. Okay, okay. Sorry. Yep. So all those decks, I think, were like hidden tier one like either they were accepted as tier one like in the case of doomsday and depths or Mm -hmm. like hogak and oops i think that they are tier one but maybe not represented as much as they would be because there's no reason for people to be spiking right now basically i think that the reality of let's say that there was a serious tournament right now yeah all those decks lost nothing some of them gained a fair amount by not having to see Oko again. Like, you know, I'm thinking mm. specifically of, of depths and I guess Omni to a very small degree. Any chalice based deck can come back now too. True. Yep. But those decks are all very real. I guess the uptick of white could be a problem for a few of them. But I think, you know, one of the things I'm wondering about is force of negation because winning the Dreadhorde Arcanist war was so important before that uh-huh. you could justify playing two, even sometimes three force of negations. Because, you know, paying two cards is, is nothing when you can keep your Arcanist online. Mm-hmm. But, you know, how many force of negations are we going to see regularly now? I've seen decks, well, I mean, most decks with zero now. We had that conversation where, like, uh, way back in the day we were talking about how many how many force of wills could you play if you could right. play unlimited force of wills. When um when force of negation got spoiled, and I think like maybe maybe the mean shifts from like five and a half to four, and you don't play any. Right. Um. Maybe people still play one because it's such a powerful card that you can actually hard cast. Yep. Um, I think I think the days of seeing seven are probably behind us. Yep. Um. But maybe there's some other powerful card advantage engine where like you you get on the back of that card and um and sort of take off with it. Yeah. For so sure. So we'll we'll see. So like. The, the Oops deck and Doomsday specifically. Like, I, I keep seeing people saying, oh, you know, I don't need to protect my Arcanist. I don't need these Force Negations as much. But, like, Oops is still going to be there. Doomsday is still going to be there, right? Mm-hmm. Like, 
you still need these cards in these mashups. So do they just ship to the sideboard or, you know, it seems like these decks are gaining a lot of equity by, by virtue of that, like first, you know, uh, level one change. Yeah. I mean, it depends on what black spells people are switching to. If they, uh, if they go to like Grixis Delver or something like that, because traditionally the Grixis Delver decks were better against combo than the rug decks. Right. Um, it, it really just depends on how everything settles, but I think the level one analysis from that is less force negation means those means those decks are better. Yeah, and then so, level two becomes Veil of Summer in my opinion. Uh, because yeah, well, I mean Veil's still super powerful. It is, yeah, and it had settled in a very niche spot I think compared to its power level and where it could have been in the format. Because first we mm-hmm. saw it blow up, like you know, first it took a little bit to pick up. People were just thinking of it as Red Blast. Then it became ubiquitous, and everybody was packing like three in their sideboard. And then it settled down to the decks that wanted it, had it, and the deck a lot of decks didn't have it. And sometimes you see one to get people. Mm-hmm. But you know, how good is that going to be? I think if if we're seeing as much black as we are the first week, it's going to be really fucking good. And you know, do these decks adjust like the the Doomsdays and and Belchers and of the world and Omnis to main deck those cards? Right. Yeah. I don't know the answer to that. And another question I've been thinking a lot about is, you know, Ice Fang Coatl. Is it what whether or not people are still going to be playing that or play Strix or how that works? Yeah, like people don't really talk about Coatl because Astrolabe, Uro, and Oko were such big problems and talked about so much. But Coatl mm-hmm. was was really a stupid card and, and a big problem with the Snoko deck. Well, it, it having flash was kind of insane. Yeah, exactly. It was just a flash tricks, which is which is gross. And the only deck that I think that can seamlessly still integrate it is like the blue green show and tell Omni deck, you know, mm-hmm. because they they play enough basics and they were generally just playing two of them anyway. So I still see it in that deck. But do you think that it's worth reaching for that card in like a Bant Stoneblade? Mm, so I saw a list. Before the bannings, hmm. there was a Bant Stoneblade shell that was playing those. I tend to not play the Bant decks like that. Right. Like, not like, like, a, like a grindy... Yeah, like, not a lot of basics. Not really grindy card advantage-based decks. Like, I kind of tr- tend to treat them more like a uh, like like a tempo aggro deck, and right. I know that's not always built that way. Um, but that's how I played the four-color deck. That's how I played most of my... Um, like blue white Delver matchups, even like I don't in my band my band Stoneblade decks. Um, I don't think I ever played straight blue white Stoneblade in Legacy. I was always playing a splash color, right? Um, so I always played them a little bit more aggressive aggressively than other people did. Mm-hmm. So I don't I don't think it would want to reach to it, but I I play that style of deck a little bit differently than most other people have done. Yeah, it is interesting because it is like you know, let's say that you don't get your lands online. It's still a flash flyer that can carry a sword, right? Yeah. So it still has a little more value when you're talking about Stoneforge. Like, I don't think that a bug deck, for for example, would consider Coatl at this point. Like, I'm, I'm sure Tom Cairns will, will, will still be playing it, but... Uh. <laughs> yeah, I think I think now the the bigger threat that you're kind of you're kind of dealing with out of the Stoneblade decks is that, like, your equipment just gets wrecked, right. and you're left with a 1-2. Um... So that's, I think that's more where we're at right now. Yeah. So I, I don't know, man. I'm interested to see where this card ends up because it's super powerful. Mm-hmm. But I, I obviously I 
expect to see more Strixen than uh, Coatl. Not even with the the new set coming out. I don't mean like you know more Strixes. I mean like Baleful Strix, which we haven't yeah. seen in a long time. Yep. No, I, I I think that color combination works a little bit better now because the the locked in reasons for always playing blue green are are obviously gone with um with Oko. Yeah, for sure. So if you let's say that there was a Grand Prix this weekend, right? Mm-hmm. And nobody had any time to prep, and it was in Lynn, Massachusetts. Okay, what are you playing? Uh, blue white Delver. Probably <laughs> <laughs> probably no Flusterstorm main deck. Probably no um, uh, Niv Magus Elemental or anything crazy like that. But like, uh, I haven't played in a long time. Yeah, I would want to play something with Delver and something with Stoneforge with cards that I was familiar with. Right. And uh, I would probably just rip that and play it very close to a standard standard base because, like, it's got everything that I sort of look for in a deck. Um, that's not really talking about its positioning or anything like na- like right now. It's just got um, good cards, is what you're saying, basically. Yeah, and I mean, like, obviously I could go on Twitter and try to find some, like, version of, like, a, like a Bug Delver or a Bug Midrange Blue Shell that probably would be one of the best decks to start with. Um... But if I had to play in a tournament tomorrow, I'm probably playing blue-white. Yeah. So one thing in, like, looking at all the decks that haven't lost anything and all the decks I expect to be good, one of the trends that I'm really noticing with these decks is that they're all super low to the ground. Like, I mean, we're talking about, you know, Belcher, Hogak, Doomsday, Death Shadow. Like, Mm -hmm. these are decks where you really need to be interacting very quickly. So... I think that I would also be playing a deck that either had, for sure, had Thoughtseize or Days in it, in addition to mm-hmm. Force of Will. So I like where your head's at with, you know, playing Delver and having Days, obviously. Uh, I think, I, I've been thinking a lot about blue-white decks. I think I might honestly be on Miracles, but one thing that I would want, and one of the reasons I was thinking about Coatl, is I, I would want as many Flash uh, threats as possible. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to be tapping out is basically when I look at the decks that I expect to be good right now. Yeah. I just yeah, yeah. want to leave mana up, right? So that's the one thing that scares me about Stoneforge. So would you be playing, like, multiple Hullbreacher? I, I really do like Hullbreacher, yeah. That's one of the... Yeah, I mean, it's like it's a very good card against decks like that. Yeah, that's one of the cards I've flash. been thinking about a, a shit ton. I'm thinking about Shark Typhoon and Hullbreacher, really are the the two cards that I really want to be playing. And I don't know... I don't know if it would be, like, a straight blue-white thing or even if I would try to find space in, like, a a color pair like Bant, you know? But those are the cards that I'm I'm really excited to be brewing with right now. I I don't even know what the price of Paul Breacher is in paper. Like, I've never considered that question before. Let me look up. Um, like $25. Really? That's it? Yeah, that's it. Fuck, I should snap those off, I guess. When do you think, uh, I know we've talked about this, this is like our monthly check-in, when do you think <laughs> that people will be playing Paper Legacy again in states other than Florida? <laughs> um, originally I said I thought by the fall. I think that was my answer the last time you asked me that. 
I think I pushed it back a little bit. Okay. Um, I'm getting my I'm getting my shot on my, my first shot on Monday. So I um, think it's only was, one shot now, bro. No, it's two shots. You're getting two shots. Yeah. The, I think Johnson and Johnson. Oh, is that what you is getting? a one shot vaccine? But the ones that are approved right now are two. Um, did you see the rec- the most recent study though? Like my wife only that, got one shot. That there that it's better to give one shot to as many people as possible and hold off on the second shot just to get more people um, immunized. Well, there's that, but there's also like the efficacy of the one shot has been like a lot better than it was in the trials. Oh, no, I did not. I didn't see anything like that. I just saw that the two shot efficacy was way better. And at least in Massachusetts, um, we're still doing two shots in the trial. It was basically like you needed two shots. Like it was the, the one shot was pretty awful, but a lot Mm -hmm. the trial data was really corrupted because a lot of people wanted the vaccine and they were dropping out of the trial early and joining the other trial, like the Moderna trial. Mm -hmm. So I really don't trust that data. And I think that what they're, what they're seeing now is that the, the one shot is a lot more effective than I thought it was. Okay. Well, I get that one shot on Monday. Um, and I'm definitely doing, doing the second shot when they offer it. Uh, but but yeah, I, I definitely haven't researched that. That's awesome. So I'll I've been, be able I've been to taking, uh, taking hydroxychloroquine and Z-Pac nice. this week. Yeah, I'll be able to uh, track you on my phone now. I'll know, uh, you know, with the You'll know bots. exactly where I am. Yeah, if you say That's so awesome every Monday Is that night. Swapped parlor into every Monday night when you say you can't <laughs> record. I'm gonna be like, motherfucker! I can tell you're in your room right now. And and <laughs> is James getting the vaccine? Uh, no, 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 no. Okay, he, so he I won't, I won't be able to tested. confirm that he's asleep, but. <laughs> Dude, so he, he, I, I've been reorganizing our kitchen over this vacation, and, uh, he found the PlayStation 4 controllers that we hid when he was a baby, so we've been playing Fall Guys this whole week, uh, and he loves it. Nice. He loves it. Why'd you hide now, them though, so he didn't, like, chew on them? Yeah, and so he wouldn't, like, his, uh, his grandmother doesn't know how to turn off the PlayStation when he hits the buttons. Oh, gotcha. So I hid them. Um, so she's going to have to figure that out now when she comes back. Nice. Sweet. Yeah. But now he's like, he's got me on a, he wants to keep progressing to get new outfits, <laughs> but he, but he doesn't want to play. So he'll be like, Dada, you play. And I'll be like, do you want to play? He's like, no, no, no. Get new pants. <laughs> <laughs> so he's, uh, yeah, that's what we do now. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, bro. I, uh, I'm on, did you ever play this game, uh, Chrono Trigger? Yeah. You know yep. about that game? I know about that game. I'm on that now. I, I exhausted Star Ocean. Nice. Chrono Trigger is really good. Yeah. It's, it was weird Those... going, going backwards from like, you know, 64 bit to 16. But, uh, yeah, those, um, really those, good. uh, Genesis JRPGs are just like, they're so good. Yeah. So I was looking at like the, the, whatever, like, whatever it is that rates games, the IGN ratings or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, that was rated, like, number one in terms of JRPGs. Mm-hmm. And uh, did you play Baldur's Gate? No, I didn't. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I I wish I got more into those, like, Dungeons & Dragons-based RPGs, but I just never did. I thought that they were always, like not very well done and i baldur's gate i've heard good things about but like the early ones just oh for dude. me so i i never i never played them again i tried playing icewind dale recent like you know back in like the summer maybe and it was horrible <laughs> like awful 
Uh, and yep. that that's supposedly a good game. And I was like, I don't know how the fuck anybody ever played this game. <laughs> but I played Baldur's Gate 1. That was, like, probably the last video game I played before high school started, and I stopped playing mm-hmm. games. But uh, it was okay, but I've heard Baldur's Gate 2 is amazing. So that's next on the uh, agenda. I, uh... What is it? I, I had to get PS Plus again because uh, Fallout... For, sorry, Fall Guys is a... Um, a multiplayer game sorry the, the online like ticket yeah and uh they you get free monthly games every month and there's this game called concrete genie i think it was called that was like with a free to download game of the month and it was it was beautiful like you play this like artistic kid who uh who like paints genies to life uh-huh. and your job is to like refresh this city so you run around with like a paintbrush and it just looks so cool nice yeah sweet bro i didn't tell you this fucking i got an email wednesday from first i got a text from the vp of my old company which is effectively usa today so this is like a pretty high up like you know person yeah yeah. like a c-level person like what's your personal email that was the whole text so it was like 7 a.m i was like fuck yep and he's in texas so it was like 6 a.m I was like, fuck, this is something bad, right? Or it could be really good. Right, it could, it, it could have, but that's not my disposition to, to okay, believe okay. that good things are going to happen. So basically, <laughs> uh, I check my email. I give my email, and I check my email 15 minutes later. And I'd been getting paid from my old job for the past six weeks, like uh, since taking my new job. You've been getting you. So they never cut you off a of payroll. You've been getting two checks and you didn't notice. No, nah, I, I definitely did not notice. Like I, I, when would you look at your checking account balance? You know. Oh, I do it every time. I, I look at it a lot. Oh, I see. I never do, but like, yeah, they they were basically like you you owe us you know this many thousands of dollars and you know uh, sign this thing to authorize permission for us to take. This is literally what they said. They're like, we haven't done the exact math on it because there was like 401k matches and stuff that were yeah. part of it. So like, we don't know the exact amount, but just sign this thing that says we're allowed to take whatever the amount we determine it is. And I'm like, no, obviously I'm not going to do that. Uh, you need to give me a number that, and then I'll agree to that number. You know, like we we need to figure this out. But oh, you didn't like new email who this. <laughs> You, I mean, what can they do at that point, right? Well, so I talked to a couple of my friends who uh, are finance and legal. Yeah. And they were like, honestly, the law is not really on your side here, but there are, like what one of them recommended, the, the legal one, is to tell them that you're, you're strapped for cash, basically, and uh, arrange like a payment plan because mm-hmm. because of the economic realities right now. Like first yeah. of all, it's somewhat believable. But second of all, uh, yeah, you know, with the, with the price of the the dollar, you know, the inflation that's expected right now, it yeah, you know, paying them tomorrow is better than today, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's like, dude, I bet you can arrange so you pay like you know a hundred dollars a month for five years or something or ten years or whatever it is, and you'll you'll effectively be paying them with fucking nothing, you know, five years from now. Yep. So yeah, that's crazy. I haven't yeah, actually I don't replied know, yet. I don't know too many people that wouldn't notice that they were getting paid double, but I'm not. I'm not in that bracket. 
<laughs> yeah, no, dude, it's just like I have I have many accounts, you know, like yeah, the my direct deposit like it gets forked into like a rent account and my checking account and savings account, so it's like oh okay. It's not like the the total was hitting a single account either. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was it was more like uh, distributed and not accounts that I'm obsessing over. But it was pretty cool to log in and see that it was like you know a lot higher than I expected it to be. That was, that was pretty dope. I wish I had That's enjoyed nice. it. Like I wish I had you know been cognizant of the the error. Well, it's probably better that you weren't. Bank error in your favor, right? Yeah, it's probably better that you weren't, that it was all still there. <laughs> yeah, dude, I didn't go buying lotuses or something. <laughs> dude, lotuses are fucking insane right now. Like, let's, trying... not, let's not talk <sighs> about it. Dude, I sold a box to our buddy DJ. Mm-hmm. Back in March, I sold a, a Mox Pearl to him. Uh, yep. And I got into a CE Pearl and pocketed like close to a grand. Mm-hmm. And the CE pearls have gone up too, so it's not like I really lost on it, but I I did sell a mox like that is worth three times or whatever it is now. Yeah. Well, I guess when you take into account the asset inflation from our house, it was still financially the right value, like it was the right play to make. Right. But just seeing seeing that like, yeah, it's oh, it's brutal, dude. It is brutal. Like, I, and I don't even know like. Would you purchase, would, like in any scenario that doesn't involve you winning the lottery, would you buy a Mox Ruby for $3,500, like an MP Mox Ruby? No, the only way that I would be going back and buying power now is if I had like a like a huge influx of money that would be very similar to winning the lottery. So no, right. I, can't see, I can't see myself doing that. So that's why I feel like Bitcoin is such a big part of this equation, right? Because... That's sort of like winning the lottery for some people, right? Like if you got in at six grand six months mm-hmm. ago and it's fifty grand now and you, you you know bought two bitcoins, now you have a hundred grand. So like for the prices to go up, someone has to be bidding them up, right? On these on these cards. Mm-hmm. There is attrition, like you, you said, but attrition only means that the prices can only go up, they can't go down, but they're not gonna go up if someone's not buying them, right? Right. So someone think, is buying yeah. these cards for these prices. Oh, for sure. <laughs> they they definitely and are. And who would that be? Like that's not going to be I'm not I'm never in my life no matter you know what the realities of the situation are. I'm not going to be buying a $3,000 Mox. So um uh recent uh how can I say this? <laughs> People who have done really well from the pandemic, whether it be like their career is is a lot more in demand. Correct. Um, people who may have bought a house early and have this like huge influx in in uh, net wealth that maybe they got like a I don't know like they refinanced with uh, withdrawing some cash out. Yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to think. See, there's other cards like dual lands for for example where I could see like you know you're just like uh, someone like me like a, a software developer where you're still you still have your job like you're still making what you were making but you don't have to pay commute you don't have to pay like rent in a city and you can't go out to eat and like you know spend money on movies and whatever other bullshit dates and stuff you know so -hmm. you have like a lot more discretionary income just piling up like and you know there's a big overlap with edh there like you know you can play dual lands in edh like i could see the dual lands rising to the price they're at 
right now. Yeah, but I mean, like, way. everything else is an index based off of that, right? So if you can see somebody paying $1,000 for a tropical island, then it shouldn't be that far off that you can see somebody paying $3,000 for a mox. It's, it's different, though, because the the moxes aren't even playable in EDH, right? So it's I mean, it's sure, strictly, but they're, they're, like, the standard. They are the standard for sure, but they're not, like, there's no utility to them at all right now, right? And mm-hmm. there's also no overlap with like nostalgia and the like. We were talking about this with Alex McKinley recently. There's no nostalgia for these cars with these like you know younger Zoomers, especially. That, I mean, it's status though, right? Yeah. So there might not be nostalgia. They weren't they weren't alive for it. Right. But like, I don't know. It's baller. Yeah, there's definitely something to be said for that. But I don't know, man. It, it's really weird to me. I think that. It, it's got a lot to do with uh, Bitcoin and a lot to do with, you know, a few billionaires that are that are buying up a lot of cards. But yeah, I mean, like you, you very well could be right. It's uh, it's interesting though, man. Like basically, I'm kind of priced out of of buying more power at this point. Oh, me too. Because I would, so, I just never. I mean, really I do could, that. like, I could, I could buy a set now, but. There's no way that I would be allowed to make that financial decision. Yeah. I think. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it's out of the realm of reality. Right. Exactly. Like I could pull the trigger on it, but I just wouldn't. Like I, and there's not even a, a good reason for me to like. I'm not. I'm not like you know trying to buy a house. I, we are kind of trying to buy a house next year, but. But I mean, like, why? Why not? Why not what? Why not buy a house? It seems like. I'm not sure what the real estate market is like in Ohio, but like... Oh, not in Ohio, bro. So my wife's uh, interviews so far have been uh, Scranton, Pennsylvania, which is my... Okay. That's what I'm hoping for. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. New Orleans, Houston, and Jacksonville. Okay. I can see you in Houston. Really? Yeah. See, that's that's the only, like, big city in the U.S. I've never been to. I've I've never been to Texas other than, like, layovers and stuff. Okay. So I don't know anything about Houston. I've been I to, don't know either. I've been to New was, Orleans a ton of times. Yeah, I I feel like that might not be like the best for you personally. No, I'm I'm really rooting against it. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> you dude, know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I shouldn't live in Vegas. You probably shouldn't live in in New Orleans. Yeah, no, I feel you on that. Scranton though seems appealing to me because that's only like, dude. Does I want you to rethink what you just said? No, I've thought about it, bro. So it's only like three hours from New York and Connecticut. So it's like, you know, similar to Boston distance from okay. from my family and stuff. And from New York City, if there's some like show I wanted to see or something. Mm-hmm. So it's not like it's totally in the middle of nowhere. Like it's, it's less in the middle of nowhere than Cleveland, I feel. You know, even though I could sure. go to Chicago or whatever, I'm not. So... There's that aspect, but it's still pretty cheap. It's not as cheap as Ohio, but it's still pretty cheap and still pretty base. Like the the gun laws and stuff, like they're they're still pretty lax. Like it's Pennsylvania, right? Okay. So it's like relaxed in terms of legal status, but it's pretty accessible to my home, and we could just like, you know, still it's still very affordable. So I think it's like yeah, a okay. good nexus. As soon as you, as soon as you said that, it was like. The the travel distance between Connecticut and New York, I understand what you're saying now. Yeah, like I think I would prefer it to Cleveland, basically, is what I'm saying. Yeah. 
I, I can definitely see preferring it to Cleveland. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I honestly, the other one I forgot to mention was Philadelphia, and I would prefer Scranton to Philadelphia. Oh, really? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Philadelphia, okay. Se- second to D.C., Philadelphia is my least favorite city in the U.S. Wow. You like it, huh? Well, I mean, like, I've I've just gone there to visit. Yeah. I've never lived there for an extended period of time, but, like, my my initial reaction would be if there was any place I was going to live in Pennsylvania, I would want it to be as close to Philly as possible. Really? Yeah. Huh. See, I think of Philly as, like, Boston if you take out all the colleges and skyscrapers. The, and, like, you're just left with, like, you know, Southie and, like, all that you know like what's wrong with south no i i mean i like it It, it's fine but it's basically like if everybody was in boston but there was no reason for them to be in boston do you know what i mean like that's basically what i my impression from the four or five times i've been to philadelphia is that it's like okay where's downtown again it's like it's almost like a a east coast uh los angeles i feel like it's just okay. Big I've never been to LA, thing. so I can't I can't make any connect like any comments on that. So it's just this like sprawling thing. There's no center to LA, right? There's neighborhoods and stuff, but there's no there's like no downtown. nexus the way that there is in like New York or Boston or mm-hmm. even DC. Okay. I don't know, man. Philly's just always sat wrong with me. Well, I hope uh, I hope you end up somewhere good. Yeah, and, bro. Yeah, I think I think it's given how you were talking about inflation and all of that, getting a getting a home at one point nine nine interest or whatever it's at right yeah. now seems like seems like a really good idea. Yeah, bro. The the prices really aren't I guess because it's somewhat commutable to some cities. They're not as low as I was hoping, but they're still low enough that we could just snap something up. Yeah. Not quite pay cash level, but yeah. Well, I mean it's gonna be cheaper than renting over the long term. Absolutely. And when you move, you can just keep it and rent it. Yep. Yeah, bro. So that's that's uh that's my my hope right now is that we end up in the GSA. So nice. That's, that's what they call it. Yeah, the greater greater Scranton area. <laughs> I mean, actually, no. Yeah, okay. The, the, we can cut that. The greater <laughs> the greater Scranton area. Why not both? So yeah, bro. Anything else that you wanted to say? No, no, there, nope. I'm cooked. I'm burnt out. <laughs> All right, bro. If people uh, want to find you on Twitter, you can find me at tsmileymtg, and follow the cast at Dead Format Cast. A Dead Format Cast at gmail.com, Ian eighteen one twenty five, and that's a wrap.